Hello, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. My name is Andrew Matišák, and I work as a deputy head of foreign desk in Slovak Devi Pravda, which, by the way, means truth, and it's not Russian Pravda. The first round of the presidential election in Czechia takes place on 13 and 14 January. There are three clear favorites for the runoff. Ex-Prime Minister Andrej Babiš, former rector of Mendel University in Brno, Danusha Nehudová, and former chair of NATO military committee, Peter Pavel. I talked to Sean Henley, an associate professor in Comparative Central and East European Politics at the UCL School of Slavonic and East European Studies. We tried to assess what to expect from the presidential election and who might win this vote. Listen to our conversation. If you enjoy what I do, please support me on coffee. Thank you. For the link, see also a description of this episode. And now, up to the new debate. The first round of the presidential elections will be held in Czechia on very soon on the 13 and 14 January. And we have, we can say, three favorites. Andrei Babiš, Danusha Nehudova, and Petr Pavel. Of these three, only Babiš is an active politician. Is it a surprise that the big political names were reluctant to enter the race? And maybe what does it tell us about the state of politics in Czechia? When the direct election of the president was kind of framed, I think the framers of the law imagined that it would be parties and party politicians who were contesting it, but did leave this route for civic candidates nominated by petitions. It's not quite what was originally intended, but it's not really a surprise. First of all, I should say Babish Probably, I mean, he is a politician. He's obviously been around for a long time. But he doesn't regard himself as a politician. And now he's officially a movement, not a party. And he still profiles himself as an outsider. And he's not, uh, I suppose we could say, not a traditional politician. So, so really, none of them quite fit with the traditional politician mold. And I think what it what it tells us really is that political parties are unpopular in the Czech Republic. I think what people used to call the standard model of parties is disappeared, hasn't been replaced by anything. We don't really have any strong political parties. I mean, we just had these two broad electoral blocks, but actually you know, five parties in the current governing coalition. And there weren't really any obvious kind of big candidates unless it would be serving politicians, unless, say, Fiala or Rakushan had decided they wanted to be president and they, you know, they wanted to keep jobs with real power. And I suppose as well that, you know, Czechs sort of want the president, and this is common, you know, this is something that happens in other countries as well, to be a kind of non-party figure. So it's not it's not a total surprise, really. It sort of it fits various trends. So it's it's not a big surprise. By the way, imagine that Babish would be able to establish a government after the parliamentary election in 2021, and he would become a prime minister. I know it's hypothetical, but let's try to imagine that. Do you think that he would run for president? His presidential run is a direct consequence of him not winning the 2021 elections. I think he probably has a fairly good uh, kind of grasp of where power really lies and the Czech president 
doesn't really have that much power. I also don't think Babish quite has the sort of vision of himself as a great sort of statesman, let's say Klaus or that Zeman had. You know, they they'd been prime minister, they'd built up parties, they had quite big ideas of themselves as sort of state builders and state makers and, and historically important figures. And so the presidency appealed to them so they could put themselves up on the same level as Václav Havel or even Masaryk. And I don't think that Babish, with his, you know, his Slovak background and his business background and his communist background, probably saw himself in that light. So I think it's a kind of a logical kind of escape route, having lost the um, 2021 parliamentary elections. And it's interesting that it did take him a lot of time to confirm that he was he was going to stand. So I, I, I know a quick answer to your question is no, I don't I don't think we'd see him running if he was still prime minister. We are having this conversation week before the elections. And according to polls, it seems that still one third of voters are still undecided. What are they waiting for? Uh, what can change their mind, if anything? Well, what can change their mind? Probably the debates. So we've got debates coming up. That may be revealing. There may be a kind of a sort of a telling moment, particularly for maybe not so much Babish. I mean, I think Babish is, is kind of he's a known quantity and he's not particularly good in debates, but shouldn't be underestimated. But I think for particularly Petr Pavel and uh, Danusha Nerudova, the debate, and particularly the debate when I think it's just going to be the three leading candidates, that that could change minds. If there's some kind of crucial moment when one of them says something unfortunate or, you know, something that's a nice cliff or soundbite that emerges, that could make a difference. I suppose other than that, I mean, some kind of, you know, strange security event, so something has Putin does something strange, something weird that may play to, you know, Petr Pavel. Uh, you know his military background and beyond that i suppose we'd have to kind of look at the dynamic of the campaign sort of ask ourselves what may be going on in voters minds between the time when polls are no longer published and um, voting when polling opens probably debates though i think if anything is going to change things you mentioned debates and Babish said that he will only appear in one debate at uh, tv nova maybe this is a pragmatic decision, I would say, or do you think that it can hurt him that he will be only in one debate? No, not at all. I think it makes perfect sense. He doesn't need to appear in debates. He's very well known. He's probably not going to win anybody over on, or very few people, on the more sort of liberal right-wing side of Czech politics you know, he kind of really needs to mobilize his base. He needs to mobilize his base like Zeman did in 2018 without mobilizing the other side, as he appears to have done in 2021. I don't think he loses anything. And I think his strategy, which is, as far as I can see, has been one of, you know, being quite avuncular and appearing with dogs and giving away Christmas presents and, you know, this kind of folksy, non-political acts that he that he does that's been a you know quite a smart way of campaigning i mean i thought the campaign would be much nastier than it has been and but no no he it makes perfect sense for him not really to appear in debates i think that campaign wasn't that nasty because of christmas period and and you cannot be very nasty during christmas <laughs> i i i think you probably could be or i mean <laughs> i mean some people have been nasty there's been plenty of scrutiny on twitter of you know nerudova and, and particular academics who don't like her academic record and her academic management that's been pretty tough no, i mean i i think it's been more of a strategy you know babish is in a kind of difficult position and you know if he was going to go very negative and polarize he would really need to pick his moment and it 
maybe it hasn't come around. Babish is waiting for verdict in the Chappie-Hinsdale subsidy fraud case that will be announced on January 9th. Will it affect the campaign? I think the answer is definitely no. I mean, I think everyone has factored in that there's this case going on. Babish is quite likely to be found guilty. He's going to get, I think, uh, if he's found guilty, he'll get a suspended sentence and a fine, and then it will drag on. Those people, I think, who prepared to vote for him buy into his narrative that he's been, you know, he's had more attention, you know, focused on him for political reasons. Maybe they think that this is actually rather a common among, you know, business people. You know, critics already see him as a crook. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary, really. A presidential candidate is on trial for corruption and it doesn't matter. But I uh, I think it really doesn't matter. I don't think it will have any impact. I think, you know, everything about Chapinisto, we already know pretty much. What if Babish will be found not guilty? We would help him? In fact, yes, you're right to point that out because the defence, I think, has got these EU experts in who have said that actually, according to their uh, evidence, it wasn't quite so straightforward that the subsidies were intended for small businesses and it depended if the, the small business was in the same kind of, was competing with businesses of the bigger business. And so, yeah, I think it would help him because that would be unexpected, but I don't think it would help him massively. I think, I think you know, those who are negatively disposed towards him will say, well, he got off because he had smart lawyers and you know, there's something fishy about it. And he's, you know, his whole background is, you know, dubious. There are plenty of other questions. You know, we can ask about Babish. There are plenty of other instances where he appears to have bent or broken the law. It should make a difference, but I, I just, I don't think it would. It would might give him a small kind of bounce, but, but I don't think it would win him many extra votes. We're talking about Babish. So let's look at the other candidates, Petr Pavel and Danusha Neurova. Pavel likes to emphasize that he is a war hero and a retired general. On one hand, it's understandable, as he had a very successful military career. On the other hand, isn't it a bit strange seeing a former general running for president in a democratic country in 2023? Yes and no. It's unusual in the Czech Republic. I mean, you look at it at first and you think, good heavens, this has a kind of whiff of Latin America about it. But actually, you know, you look at, um, think of Eisenhower was US president. Uh, look at Britain. There are many former conservative MPs who are of military background. The former head of the British Army, Lord Dannett, is a conservative member of the House of Lords. So it's not actually that unusual, but it kind of grates a bit with the uh, image of uh, the kind of liberal Czechs. He, he does present as a rather conservative figure, so he's always presented as General Pavel, and we have that, you know, lion logo, and, and he's presented as this rather, as a sort of, mil- indeed, as a war hero and, and military leader. I think probably his team imagined that that would win him over some votes of more conservatively minded people who might be attracted to Babish, but kind of soft Babish supporters. Although I can see that the you know the polls actually don't show that they show that uh, Babish supporters, if they're willing to back another candidate, break more or less evenly for General Pavel uh, and Nerudova. So, yeah, it's kind of odd, but it's I don't think it's it's less odd. I think when you think about it, and I think part of it is really the kind of campaign PR that Petra Pavel's team have put together, thinking they were maybe fighting one kind of campaign, and it's ended up that actually they, you know, they're just sort of running the second round campaign in the first round, as it were. They thought he was a clear challenge to Babish. They thought it would be quite close. Polls show that Babish actually quite like to lose to either of the main challengers. 
if he does become president, it will be interesting to see if he maybe slightly moves away from that military man image and presents himself in a more kind of civilian way. I mean, I could I could imagine that. His actual views seem to be much more sort of technocratic and liberal than his conservative image as a sort of war hero and strong man, which is what his PR tends to play up a bit. The difference between him and Neruda seems to be one very much of image, and they've clearly both been marketed in a certain way, reflecting their professional background and their age and their gender. But in terms of their views, they're not not that far apart, really, or really pretty much overlapping. Just one thing about Pavel and about this image, probably also the Russian war against Ukraine plays a role mm. here. I agree with you. I think, I mean, he had this slogan, he has this slogan, doesn't he, which is about calm and order. And I think the calm bit will play into... And he is calm, you know, maybe he's a bit too calm. That's a kind of seems to be a genuine element of his personality. I think it's slightly broader than just him being a military man. There's a war going on in Ukraine. I think he's in he, he's kind of quite well suited, even beyond the fact that he's a, a military man. I don't think the military element is the sort of um, necessarily kind of decisive. I mean, I think he he maybe appeals in a similar way to Peter Fiala, who has this very boring technocratic image, but he's always saying, don't worry, don't panic, we can sort it out, it's very calm. And I think Petr Pavel is sort of cut from the same cloth, but with a slightly different professional background. Let's talk about Danusha Nehudova a bit. Her popularity has been rising since her announcement. Does it mean that Czechs are really ready to elect a relatively young woman, she's 44, for president? The answer probably is 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 yes. Otherwise, she wouldn't be that popular. Whether they're ready to elect this particular female candidate, we don't know. First of all, she's had a really very effective, very well thought out kind of campaign, and she has been marketed. I mean, obviously, with you know, you're in Slovakia, you write for a Slovak newspaper. There's there's always this question: of, Is she the Czech Chaputova? I, I think there are reasons, sort of, to. You know, question some of that. But she's obviously sort of working to this template of being young, female, a change, a more modern kind of um, image. That's been done very, very well. And there isn't a great deal of content there, either in terms of her views, although she does have views and she has, you know, views about the economy and pensions and, and things where she has a professional background. But she's. But it's more sort of who she is and what she seems to symbolise than any particular accomplishments that she's had professionally. So, I mean, the answer, I think, to your question is yes, because she's very much been marketed as in terms of, of change, of generational change, a more positive, more modern image, someone who doesn't have any kind of even early career in the communist period because she's too, she's too young. Whether she's quite the real deal, I don't know. I think there's a sort of certain lack, lack of content here. But she could win. And I think she could win because it's very interesting the way that Babish supporters are not those who, who will actually contemplate voting for another candidate. A sizable chunk will vote for her. And I'm thinking, you know, why is this? Why would you go from Babish to Nerudova? And I think the answer is that Nerudova is a sort of change candidate. She seems to be more of an outsider. She may pick up votes as a kind of anti-establishment candidate and as more of a change than General Pavel, who you know, emphasises continuity with the army. So he's a, he's a more establishment figure. She could win. I know it's a tricky part, but let's try some predictions, Sean. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so second round, who might get into the second round? Okay, well, I think Babish will get into the second round. And then the other two, I think it really is a toss-up. I really don't know. 
I would expect to see Petr Pavel in the second round simply because he has polled a little bit higher than Nerudova and she seems to have kind of lost momentum. But as we were saying, the debates might change everything. You asked me earlier about what could make a difference, what sudden thing could make a difference. And one thing that might make a difference, which just occurred to me, is if one of the minor candidates withdraws. That could make a lot of difference for whether Pavel or Nerudova is the challenger to to Babish. It, it, it's not automatically the case that you know the votes of a more liberal or more conservative candidate would go a particular way, but I think that is an additional kind of unpredictable thing that 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 could make a difference in quite a tight first round. Although so far there's no sign that any of them actually want to do that, because I mean I think you know in the uh, Chaputova and her rise, the withdrawal of one candidate at the crucial moment was quite important, but I I don't think probably we're going to see that. But if we did it, you know, it could have an impact. Yeah, I think you're right that it might play a role. And of course, it played a huge role in 2019 for Chaputova and Mr. Mystery withdraw from the race. But we will see. I, I, I don't think this is the same dynamics. It isn't. But if we, I mean, the polls for the top three candidates are really very, very close. So even minor candidates are very minor they're all around you know five six percent but that could that could make a difference even on the sort of the babish side i mean i can see that um the far right leader of freedom direct democracy party tommy okamura is now starting to say critical things about a babish and, and starting to campaign for his rather lackluster candidate yaroslav bashta if that Bashta can put on a few percentage points and move them away from, from Babish. You know, who knows? So these these minor candidates and, and what they do, given that it's so tight between the top three candidates, that could also be a factor. Babish might get into the second round, but according to the polls, he will lose to both, to Pavel and also to Nehudova. So the more interesting combination in the second round would be Nehudova versus Pavel. Who would win this? According to the polls, very narrowly, Pavel, but I think we really wouldn't know. And I suppose if I was going to bet, uh, and, and again, it would depend very much on turnout. A lot of Babish voters wouldn't vote. I suppose I would probably actually bet on Nerudova simply because she has or is capable of generating greater momentum as a kind of anti-establishment change candidate, slightly more than Pavel. Um, I think her campaign, apart from her recent problems around her management of Mendel University uh, and her rather unconvincing responses to those criticisms, has been much more sure-footed. And I believe, you know, I kind of suspect that Pavel... I mean, his campaign has been a bit weaker, and I kind of suspect he he wants to win less. I, I noticed he was the only candidate who said, hypothetically, he might withdraw if there was a stronger candidate, which is kind of an unusual thing to say, given that even the, the minor candidates who've got no chance of winning are all insisting that their presence on the ballot is absolutely vital and please vote for me. So I, I kind of suspect if it was a runoff between Nerudova and Pavel, Nerudova might just edge it because... Central and East Europeans and Czechs do like to vote for, you know, new seeming politicians. And, and so I, I, I would imagine that she might edge it if, if it came to that. Sean, so one last thing, and I will move the theory about Nehudova versus Pavel in the second round a bit further. Do you think that in such a case, would Babish endorse somebody? Because if he would do this... I think that candidate would have a good chance to win. Now, that is a fascinating question. I wouldn't expect that he would endorse either of the two rivals. I think he might send some slightly kind of coded or ambiguous signal. 
I think he would then be thinking, this is the president I would have to deal with if I was prime minister again, you know, round about 2025, or maybe you know, if everything gets really turbulent, if there were early elections. So I suppose strategically, which of these two might be easier for me to work with? I suppose maybe Pavel, very hard to say, though. Um, uh, very hard to say. I think he might just sort of he might he might just vaguely endorse someone and i suppose he might vaguely endorse the person he thought was going to win which could equally well be nerudova yes it's possible i think in a slightly coded way and it could be either and i think it'd be the person he thought was going to win because i mean i think babish is going to be around in czech politics for a while rather like fitso fitso had that presidential run didn't win does he disappear Absolutely no, he no, no, he doesn't. So I mean, Babish could be a kind of Fitzo-like figure in his kind of ability to endure despite defeat and scandal and uh, legal prosecution and and, uh, and and so on. This was another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. Subscribe, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and all the other platforms. If you enjoy what I do, please support me on Coffee. For the link. See also a description of this episode. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.